Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we are about to hear is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 6 verses 27 to 38. Now whenever anyone makes it big, when everyone becomes successful, whenever anyone maybe wins a gold medal at the Olympics, one of the questions that they get asked a lot is, what's the secret? How did you do it? In this section of scripture, Jesus reveals to us what's the secret of being sons of the Most High. And so we ought to pay careful attention to what Jesus says here. Not because our salvation is dependent upon these things that Jesus talks about. Rather, because we know that we are saved by Jesus' death and resurrection and have become children of God through baptism, we want to know how we can be even more like Jesus in our daily life. Luke 6, 27-38 But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Judge not lest you be judged. Verse 37 of our text. That's a verse that we hear Quite often, we use quite often, but it is almost never used correctly, and it is seldom correctly understood, is it? Left to ourselves, without God, without the Holy Spirit, without the knowledge of Christ Jesus who died for our sins, we will always make one of two mistakes with when it comes to judging others. Either we will become extremely judgmental of everything other people do, picking out even little things and condemning them for it, or we will go the other way and decide that there is no such thing as sin and really we ought not to ever speak against any lifestyle or anything that anyone else does because we should just let everyone live as they want. 
The first, of course, is the sin of the pietists who often mean well. Their desire is that they want to live as better Christians. Their desire is to make a, a more loving and inclusive church, but they end up making rule after rule after rule. They end up judging and condemning every little thing as if the commandments that God has given to us are not more than enough for us already. They make lists and lists and lists. The second sin is the, the sin of the modernist and the atheist who deny all even knowledge of sin. And those who deny the truth of sin, who, who say that there is no such thing as sin and everyone ought to live as they, as they like, they are atheists, even if they claim to believe in God, aren't they? Because our God is clear that he is a God who does judge sin. Otherwise, why did Jesus die? The judgment of God against sin is the death of Christ Jesus. And if there is no judgment against sin, then the death of Christ is empty and meaningless and nothing. Perhaps maybe an example to us, but even that is pretty meaningless. But God doesn't do things that are empty and meaningless, does he? Jesus didn't come down to earth and die and rise again and then realize, oh, that really didn't mean that much. We do that sometimes. We, maybe we're fixing a tractor and put in hours and hours of work and maybe even lots of money and finally realize that it can't be fixed and it seems like all that time and money was wasted. We do that sometimes. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't die for our sins and then after real, afterwards realize, oh, I didn't need to do that because there's no such thing as sin. God is clear that he is a God who does judge sin. But we are washed, we are redeemed, we are justified, we are purchased and won from sin and every evil through the blood of Christ Jesus. God doesn't do worthless, worth, worthless things. But Jesus died for our sins and therefore God judges us righteous. How then should we understand verse, how then should we correctly understand verse 37 of our text, judge not, lest you be judged. We need to remember three things with regard to this verse. First, God judges, not us. Second, God judges you. In other words, when God speaks about sin in Scripture, that is something that you are supposed to think about with regard to your sin, not as a tool to condemn and judge and look down on others, right? And thirdly, God judges you righteous through Christ Jesus. And if God has forgotten and wiped away your sin, you ought to do the same to others as well. God judges, not us. James reminds us in the fourth chapter of his letter, verse 12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? One of the distinctions we need to make with regard to this verse is distinguishing between God's judgment on sin and our own. Sometimes you hear children doing this, right? Especially, it seems like, especially older sisters. When the parents are gone or away, the older sister might start telling the younger children what they have to do. They might start adding rules and laws that their parents didn't make. They want to be like their parents and 
We sometimes think that that's what parents do is make rules. We often act like that. We often make the mistake of thinking that we're more like God if we make rules and laws to condemn other people. God has made it clear in his word that he does judge sin. He has made it clear that certain things like fornication, adultery, homosexuality, lying, murder, theft, blasphemy are sinful and are against his word. But when we speak of those things, it's not our judgment, but God. God has judged those things, hasn't he? Yet if we talk about other things, if we add other things, if we judge people based on the clothes they wear or how neat they keep their lawn or how tidy their house is or the food that they eat or even how their own hygiene, if we start judging people on things like that, how late they are for, for meetings or uh, if we don't think that they're doing their job the way we think they should or how they vote politically, that's our judgment. Now we are making ourselves the judge and taking God's place. Nowhere in God's word does God judge those things. There's an old, old proverb, right? Cleanliness is next to godliness. But that doesn't come from God's word. That's a, a judgment of man. Now, cleanliness is a good thing, to be sure. Absolutely. But it's not our place to, to make judgments about others or to criticize them on the basis of these things. Then we are judging, not God. Where God has spoken, well, that's God's judgment. And we ought to recognize that and uphold that truth. But we ought not to make ourselves judges by adding to it. Secondly, God judges you. David says in Psalm 51, against you, you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. The second distinction we need to make is between sin that is against God and sin that we think is against us. When the prophet Elijah, for example, had the prophets of Baal drowned in the river, that was not a personal vendetta on his part. He wasn't doing it because of what the prophets of Baal had done against him, but he was carrying out God's judgment because they had sinned against God by leading people away from the only name by which they can be saved. When the earth opened up and swallowed the sons of Korah in the days of Moses, they were not judged because they sinned against Moses but because they sinned against God, refusing to listen to God's word. Just because God judges sin against himself doesn't give us the right to judge sins against us. Paul tells us in his, in his writings, chief of sinners though I be. What does this mean and what does it have to do with our text today? Well, when we remember that, we remember that I am chief of sinners, then obviously I deserve worse than anything any other person has done against me. And there is therefore no sin against me. That's what David is confessing when he says, against you, you alone have I sinned. David committed adultery and murder. And yet he correctly confesses that sin is only against God. 
There is no sin against us, no matter what others might do to us, because we deserve worse. Imagine a murderer who gets away with murder and yet is falsely accused of theft and put in prison for theft. That murderer might be very indignant and self-righteous. I'm, I'm accused. I'm innocent. I'm innocent of the theft, and yet I'm put in jail for it. He doesn't really have a right to be, even if he is innocent of the theft, does he? Because he deserves much more. If we truly understand and truly believe in our hearts the truth of what we confess every Sunday and what Paul says, that chief of sinners I am, then what do we have to complain about? We deserve hell and damnation. And yet we receive the grace and love of Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what, that's what Joseph was talking about in our Old Testament reading. Yeah, you meant to kill me and you meant to, to sell me into slavery. God used it for good. What do I have to complain about? God brought good out of it even though I don't deserve it. We deserve worse than anything that happens to us, yet Jesus has redeemed us lost and condemned creatures. We have no grounds to complain or to get upset about the way others treat us. Nevertheless, because of our sinful nature and because we're, we're not very good at forgiving, Jesus does also give us this little bit of information. Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If we were perfect and holy like Jesus, we would be quick to forgive and let things go. Nevertheless, because of our sinful nature, Jesus does encourage us to, to go and talk to those whom we feel have harmed or hurt us. Very often it's just a misunderstanding. And if we just talk to them in a loving and polite way, we can clear it up instead of spending years in resentment and anger. But we still come back to the main point that God's judgment is between God and that sinner. And all sin is against God. None of it is against us. We deserve even worse. Thirdly, God has judged you righteous. As Isaiah writes in Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And so the third distinction we need to make is between judgment and forgiveness. God does indeed judge sin, and he calls uh, many things that are sin, sin, and we should not shrink back from acknowledging those things that God calls sin as sin, yet God has also made it clear that where there is repentance, where there is confession and trust in Jesus, that sin is gone. It is no more. Writing in 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds us that we... All of us were such, were adulterers and homosexuals and sodomites and thieves and covetous and drunkards and revilers and extortioners. We were those things, but now we are no longer. He continues, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If any did such things, 
Those things are gone. There is no one in the church of Christ who is still an adulterer or a murderer or a theft or a liar, even if we did such things an hour ago. Because having confessed our sins, which we did here in church, we received the forgiveness from Christ. And if Christ has wiped out that sin, has judged it gone and forgotten, so that we are no longer those things, who are we to remember those sins or to hold them against one another? What God has wiped away. Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Where there is repentance, there is nothing to remember. With God, this is true. He has judged us righteous through Christ Jesus. And therefore, Jesus says, judge not. Don't you hold it against one another what Christ has forgiven. God is the one who has judged sin and has told us what is sin and what is not. Woe be it to us if we add anything to God's word. God's word is, there's enough in there for all of us to know our sin. We don't need to add anything to it, do we? God's judgment on sin and his law in scripture is for you to think about and to consider to know your sin so that you turn to Christ in repentance. It's not a tool for you to use to torment or condemn or put down other people, is it? And finally, God has wiped away your sin and the sin of your neighbor. It's no longer. It's gone. If God has judged it gone, we dare not hold on to it. Judge not, so that you may rejoice in the forgiveness of Christ with your neighbor. Amen.